<laughs> Can you believe it? You've made it to the Halloween haunt. Welcome. Prepare yourself for alarming information, horrendous history, and profoundly perturbing poems and stories. Oh, here he comes now. Your ghoul friend and mine, the Halloween Haunter. <laughs> Ambrose Bierce's time in the Civil War may explain some of his darker stories. This is one, A Cold Greeting, by Ambrose Bierce. This is a story told by the late Benson Foley of San Francisco. In the summer of 1881, I met a man named James H. Conway, a resident of Franklin, Tennessee. He was visiting San Francisco for his health, deluded man, and brought me a note of introduction from Mr. Lawrence Barting. I had known Barting as a captain in the Federal Army during the Civil War. At its close, he had settled in Franklin, and in time became, I had reason to think, somewhat prominent as a lawyer. Barting had always seemed to me an honorable and truthful man, and the warm friendship which he expressed in his note for Mr. Conway was to me sufficient evidence that the latter was in every way worthy of my confidence and esteem. At dinner one day, Conway told me that it had been solemnly agreed between him and Barting that the one who died first should, if possible, communicate with the other side from beyond the grave, in some unmistakable way. Just how they had left, wisely it seemed to me, to be decided by the deceased, according to the opportunities that his altered circumstances might present. A few weeks after the conversation in which Mr. Conway spoke of this agreement, I met him one day, walking slowly down Montgomery Street, apparently, from his abstracted air in deep thought. He greeted me coldly with merely a movement of the head and passed on leaving me standing on the walk with half-proffered hand, surprised and naturally somewhat piqued. The next day I met him again in the office of the Palace Hotel, and seeing him about to repeat the disagreeable performance of the day before, intercepted him in a doorway, and with a friendly salutation, and bluntly requested an explanation of his altered manner. He hesitated a moment. Then, looking me frankly in the eyes, said, I do not think, Mr. Foley, that I have any longer a claim to your friendship, since Mr. Barting appears to have withdrawn his own from me. For what reason I protest I do not know. If he has not already informed you, he probably will do so. But, I replied, I have not heard from Mr. Barting. Heard from him, he repeated with apparent surprise. Why? He is here. I met him yesterday, ten minutes before meeting you. I gave you the exact same greeting that he gave me. I met him again not a quarter of an hour ago, and his manner was precisely the same. He merely bowed and passed on. I shall not soon forget your civility to me. Good morning, or as it may please you, farewell. All of this seemed to me singularly considerate and delicate behavior on the part of Mr. Conway. As dramatic situations and literary effects are foreign to my purpose, I will explain at once that Mr. Barding was dead. He had died in Nashville four days before this conversation. 
Calling on Mr. Conway, I apprised him of our friend's death, showing him the letters announcing it. He was visibly affected in a way that forbade me to entertain a doubt of his sincerity. It seems incredible, he said after a period of reflection. I suppose I must have mistaken another man for Barting, and that man's cold greeting was merely a stranger's civil acknowledgement of my own. I remember indeed that he lacked Barting's mustache. Doubtless it was another man, I assented, and the subject was never afterward mentioned between us. But I had in my pocket a photograph of Barting, which had been enclosed in the letter from his widow. It had been taken a week before his death, and was without a mustache. Well, that was strange, wasn't it? I think the lesson here is never shave if you don't want to confuse somebody from beyond the grave. You can find more stories by Ambrose Spears and others, and poetry too, at thehalloweenhaunt.com.